I'm Asan. It's Friday and this is the Friday show. Feels like it's going to be a big weekend, so we've drafted in a big panel. Morning, Howard. Good morning. Morning, Lloyd. Morning. Good morning, Mr. Stephen Tudor. Big panel. Is that another dick at my diet? Totally, mate. <laughs> totally, mate. How many kilos have you not lost yet? I've lost a stone. I've ah. got another stone to go. Wow. Really? That's, uh-huh. that's pretty impressive. That is. I'm always hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Drink water. Drink water. Yeah. Uh, it tricks the mind. <laughs> When's the wedding? September. September. Oh, you've got plenty of time, mate. Yeah, it was just getting to that stage, Joe. You know, if, you, if you're walking down the high street and you see yourself in the kind of a shop uh, window, a like reflection, and it's like, whoa. So I wanted to do it anyway. Good lad. Good lad. Is it true that you've actually already started your speech? I've got it. I've got it nailed down. You've written your wedding speech? No, I've read it out to the cat. <laughs> it's good it's good to go oh mate we've got to do we've got to do a podcast where you read your wedding speech out you got to try it you got to try it out and the audience your missus will never hear it yeah it's got anecdote thank yous and a bit of mushy stuff at the oh, end oh amazing 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 uh right listen i'm gonna dive straight in with an opening question um with pictures emerging that Sane was back in training of some sort yesterday. You get the sense that with City this season, they've been really opaque about sort of how long players will be out with injury for or the severity of injuries. Any ideas why? Or just just sort of, is there any benefit to doing that? Uh, Steve, I'm going to start with you. Well, I don't wholly disagree with with what you're saying, but I do think that more is made of it these days because of social media and, you know, with forums and the like, and there's just far more discussion than there used to be and far more information than there used to be as well, because kind of those who are genuinely in the know, who might well be, you know, a mate of a player or have access to the training ground, they they too are on social media as well, of course. So I think it's always been the case where kind of clubs play mind games and they, kind of put out a bit of false information here and there. And also, as well, just in a general sense, a lot of times clubs don't know themselves. You know, a player might kind of return to uh, fitness quicker than anticipated. Um, so when you, when you kind of put all those things into the mix as well, I don't think there's any kind of considered, you know, kind of purposeful um, mythology there. It's more just kind of how things are now. Okay, fair enough. Um, Lloyd, do you, do you do you think that there's a benefit to be gained from from maybe exaggerating an injury? Um, potentially, I mean, I think I think there was a I think we saw that, and I think we tried it with the Gabriel Jesus Alexis Sanchez thing, where when we kind of when it was clear that we weren't going to going to get him, it was oh Gabriel's back in three weeks, it's it's all fine. I think most City fans kind of saw through that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, 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 there is an element of gamesmanship in using it like that. But it's it's a bit it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? I mean, I think for me, the weirdest one is Delph. Um, since he went down against Liverpool, there's been almost complete radio silence about about him. And Guardiola does have a bit of a weird approach to it. Sometimes when he's asked in, I find it a bit weird somehow when he's asked in press conferences. Sometimes he actually, he doesn't know when players are back, which I, I kind of I kind of expect the manager to have a pretty good grasp on that. But I don't know. Maybe he's the kind of manager that 
says don't you know don't come to my don't come to the door until you're available and I'm not bothered so it is a bit weird but Sam Sam Lee actually did say the other day that Delft's back in seven to ten days and he said that a few days ago to me so yeah okay that's a really good point that Lloyd makes there as well because managers in general their attitude towards players who are injured and it's no reflection on the individual managers and their kind of personality or character. I think once a player is injured, they're no good to that manager. You know, the manager concentrates on the fit players he has at his disposal. Hmm. Yeah, I could. I, I, I think there are different reasons for different players, though. Isn't there? I mean, with company, you can say you can honestly feel that. Yeah, it looks like three weeks, but with company, it then might become eight weeks because it's company and. You just can't be sure with him. You know, he's a different, he's a different case study to everyone else. And so, you know, with some injuries, you just don't know. It's like, it's like we all we all need to know immediately that you know Mendy does his crucial ligaments. We need a return date. Well, there's absolutely no way of knowing when he did his his ligaments what his return date was mm. because every human being reacts differently to an injury, and yeah. you can't tell until the rehabil you know the rehabilitation starts and ends. Uh, I mean, I was led to believe with Sane that City was angry about the uh, the tackle in the Cardiff game and exaggerated the injury to make a point. Okay, and it and it was always a four week return date. And fucking it, great it's news. Under, it's up, so it's under two weeks now. He's not back to fit. So it probably is. He is still two weeks away, probably from you know actually starting a match. Uh, just yeah. Basically, you're looking at the cup final as a target, or maybe second leg of Champions League. Uh, but there's different reasons sometimes. But yeah, he's just he does alter his approach, Pep, quite a lot of the time, doesn't he? On how he discusses it. But sometimes you just don't know, do you? You can't you can't diagnose recovery times. No, you, you you do you do get the impression that um that it isn't premeditated. And I know that I, I had a conversation with Stefan a few weeks ago on a podcast uh, where he. Kind of raised an eyebrow at, at me saying Guardiola said that he doesn't know with Jesus whether it's three or four or five or six, whatever it was. And and he was really like, what? You really think he doesn't know? Um, it's it's hard. I feel as that part of me feels like he, he genuinely, he's got like a rough idea. Like with every injury, you know, he's been a footballer. So he knows, you know, how long roughly ankle ligament damage will be or stuff like that but I don't think he knows and I don't think that he I I, I suspect that ultimately he's not interested in players that aren't available to him so from his point of view if you're gone for four weeks or five weeks he's not even going to ask the doctors until four or five weeks whether when you're back yeah, um which is definitely probably why when he gets asked he doesn't know but I do think that there has been an element with Vinny's injuries, I think with Delph's injuries, I think with Jesus and with Sane this season, uh, I think with all four of those guys, there has been an element of mind games. I'm not sure why, but I definitely feel like with all those injuries, they've 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 not told the truth, basically, or they've uh, not told the truth by omitting information. Uh, does it bother any of you? Lloyd, does it bother you? Uh when I take a step back, no, because I think what Steve said is, is bang on, that there's so much information now and we get so much more kind of insight into what's going on that when you aren't told when Delft's back two days before the game, people are like, fuck, what's going on? 
But realistically, no, it doesn't really. I mean, it would just be, it would just be nice, kind of, to know, really. Hmm. Okay. Does it bother anybody on the panel? No. No. I like to know a general idea, yeah. and the club can provide that. Beyond that, no, not really. Yeah, okay. Just general information. You like to know how long players are out for, but don't need it. You know, nailed down to specific times. Mm. And if, for example. Pep started indulging in a little bit of serious mind game. So I'm talking about, yeah, that guy's definitely not going to be fit. And then he's in the he's in the team. Again, anybody have a problem with that? Uh, or do we all like that kind of stuff? There has to be a purpose to it. If there is a purpose to it, you know, for example, if it's um, League Cup final against Arsenal and it's, you know, Sané is definitely, he definitely won't make it. And then he does, you know, two days later then there is a purpose to that. That is kind of, you know, Wenger will have kind of set his team up accordingly with that information he's been given. Uh, and he, that could be disrupted. Uh, other than that, I don't see why he'd do it uh, at all, really. Okay. Cool. Super. Um, so, let's talk about Leicester. We play Leicester this weekend. Uh, Leicester had a funny season. Um, obviously got rid of Shakespeare, brought Claude Puel in. I'll start with you, Lloyd. How do you feel that Leicester have done and and Claude Puel has done since taking over from from Craig Shakespeare? I think he's done pretty well. I mean, I think Leicester are probably, they've come back to that kind of best of the rest, really, I think, kind of position in the league. And I think think Puel, yeah, I think Puel's done well. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Julien Laurent, the French um, journalist for La Parisienne, and he, he seems pretty close to him. And he was saying, uh, he before he got the Leicester job anyway that he's a b- better manager than people gave him credit for and if you kind of look at that Southampton season objectively that he had last season yes okay the football was a bit shite but they got to the cup final they should have beat United and they came eighth behind the top six in Everton so and you know well he got sacked because they you know the Southampton fans kind of wanted better football but look what look what's happened there you know they're in they're, I think they're pretty much in the relegation zone so yeah, I think he's done. He's done a good job. The only thing I'd be a bit asked about if I was a Leicester fan is I think his approach to the cup games has been really weird. Like when yeah. when we played them, that was an amazing opportunity for them to you know go deep in that competition, and because uh, the, the team was just you know really really weird, um, and because we had the likes of you know Tosin and Mangala at the back and Brahim and Foden both started so realistically they should have you know they should have been trying to beat us there so if I was a Leicester fan my only my only gripe really would be approach to the cup competitions because when you're when you've cemented yourself as that best of the rest um I think you should be going for the cup competitions really didn't I went um, to the Leicester match you know in the Leicester end because invited by someone a friend of a friend and they when that team came out they were not happy whatsoever, mm. and it was it was nonsensical what they did in the the Carabao Cup because they felt the fans felt that they that was their best route into Europe, yeah, uh, and it was best chance of a trophy, you know, silverware as well. At the end of the day, it didn't make much sense. They weren't in the relegation scrap. Obviously, they they may climb up the league and get it that way, but it seemed it did seem a ridiculous decision. But we've had this discussion with plenty about you know Pochettino, haven't we? It's just like. Don't seem to some managers, uh, and not just foreign ones, uh, English ones as well, British ones, don't seem to grasp the importance of uh, cup competitions. Aren't they a little bit between a rock and a hard place, though? Um, Steve, I'm going to throw this over to you. Unless I'm mistaken, 
Doesn't Puel do really well in the cup competitions for Southampton last season and then get sacked? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I guess. Yeah, so yeah, but it got I, final, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, they should have beat United. United, yeah. yeah. So disallowed goal. Steve, would you would you say that? What do you think Leicester's ambitions are? So is the ambition to is do you reckon looking at it from their supporters' point of view, having won the title two seasons ago, that now they're like a they're a club who focus on trophies? Or do you think there's still an element of survival's the most important thing and everything after that's a bonus? That with the Leicester fans I know, it's definitely the latter. They appreciate that, that season was just a freak of a season. It was a one off. Um, and also if you ask a Leicester fan at the start of the season, if you ask a Southampton fan, you know, there are 10 clubs I could go through here, Watford, etc., etc. What they would say would be, right, a top 10 finish ideally, and, and you know, maybe a cup competition, maybe just go you know, reach a final or go deep, get a semi-final. That's what fans want. That's what the club, by extension, should want too. Uh, I couldn't agree more with, with Lloyd and Howard. It, it's... Their attitude towards the Cups is nothing short of bizarre. I mean, the lineup they put up against uh, at Fleetwood, you know, they got through, they won. But that could have easily gone the other way. That had deputants yeah. in there, that had reserve players at a really tough kind of lower league ground who were well up for a Cup upset. So, And it's strange because Leicester are secure. They're not going to go down. We're looking this season at an incredible multi-way relegation fight what could very easily involve 11 clubs Leicester aren't one of those 11 clubs similarly they're not going to finish in the top four this season so why not go for the cups why not pick a strong team it it, it defies belief for me it, it doesn't make any it's illogical okay fair enough um in terms of in terms of how they shape up going into this game what's your feeling Steve uh are they? Do they come into this in a good moment, or do you think that the Mares situation has unsettled them? That's a really difficult one to call because it varies from situation to situation. Um, it could. Uh, it's all subjective. This it could well be where Mares is on the bench tomorrow. He certainly won't start because he's had what a day of training, which is today. Um, it could well be where Poel thinks, well, you know, I'm not going to reward you with any kind of uh, availability in, in the squad and omit him entirely. If he does uh, start on the bench, he could come on and be absolutely fired up with, with a point to prove and turn the game. Or it could be where, you know, it's, it's completely anonymous and that it has affected the squad as a whole too. Mm. Um, it could also just be that, that the squad just basically, you know, with self-preservation of footballers today, they've just looked after themselves and just got their heads down and just concentrated on the game in hand. Uh, and it has absolutely no effect. It's it's really difficult to call that one because uh, it, it makes t- it's an, a fascinating extra aspect to tomorrow's game, certainly. Yeah. Um, Lloyd, I'll start with you and then Howard, I'm going to throw this over to you as well. Do you think that Leicester have enough to if you sort of take Mares out of that side, do you think that they have enough to unsettle us? Is there enough quality in that side? Because if they are, if we do, you know, you you you're the first person to say that they they are sort of the best of the rest. And if they are the best of the rest, what sort of test do you expect tomorrow from them? I think I, I think it'll, I think they'll give us a good test. I mean, you know, fundamentally, Mares is a big part of why they're so good. So. 
you know, same as Steve, I don't think he's going to start. But Vardy's pace is and has always caused our defence problems. When you play with such a high line, you know, it only takes one of those kind of balls into the channels, Vardy up against Stones or, or Laporte, you know, he's going to burn them and then they've, they've got a pretty good chance. And so I would say it's probably going to be a pretty stone test. Leicester, I think you'd think ideally away from home, it probably suits them because they can sit in. But recently their results haven't been that good. I mean, they um, they drew to, to Swansea last game out. They lost to Everton before that. So they're not in the best of form, but I think Leicester always, they do pose that threat just because they, they play on the break and they've got Vardy's pace. Yeah, I would just look at the squad. It's You forget how good it is, actually. You know, you talked earlier, the Leicester fans look at survival. I, I find that hard to believe. I think, you know, as of next season, I think this is a team that should be looking at fifth or sixth. Wow, really? That. Look at the squad. Who, what are the names? It's pretty you, good. It what are the players that <laughs> it you is good. Out? It is a good squad. It's not, it's not a, you know, City good. It's not... Oh, no, Spurs I'm not disagreeing good. with you. I'm just curious well, as it's to a, which that players... It's better. You forget just... Well, you've got a good keeper there, for starters. Mm-hmm. Something that Liverpool haven't got. You've got, you know, Maguire playing brilliantly. You've, uh, you've got that organisation. I mean, I'm not sure about Huth and Morgan. And, you know, if they're not the what they were in their title-winning season. But, of course, Maguire's coming in and done brilliantly. They've got, you know, they've got a bit of everything. Like, all the lights can put a great cross in. And they, they've got those skillful front players and pace that lets a workman like midfield, uh, you know, they they do their bit and let the forwards do their, you know, uh, provide the glamour, so to speak, or the spark. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's just, uh, you know, you've got Vardy, uh, Gray's been, you know, finally uh, shown his potential. I've not seen him last few weeks, but it certainly was the last time I, was, I watched a few games of Leicester's. Uh, and yeah, indeed, you're doing what Kante used to do. Uh, maybe not to the same standard, but he's got much better. It's quite a balanced squad uh, yeah. that that will make life difficult. And I think it is the best squad out, you know, outside. Of course, they've got Silver finally playing for them, and it's a bit early for him to be making an impact at the club. You know, having to sit on his backside for a few months. Uh, because what they were fourteen seconds late in registering, I think. Uh, I think that's what it was. Fax machine, uh, <laughs> which is a bit hard. Yeah, <laughs> plugging that fax machine. So yeah, I think it's the best squad. Yeah, we've discussed Burnley. It's a far better squad, I think, than Burnley's is. It's the best of the rest if you look at that squad on paper. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. I'm a little bit more worried than I was at the start of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> listening, listening to you talk. No, I think that's a. I think that's a fair shout. Um, Steve Lloyd, Jurate. Demarari Gray. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Demari Gray. Demari Gray. Yeah, he's. He, I think he's. I think he's decent. He's. He's the kind of. He's the kind of player that I think, potentially, if say if like a say if Spurs didn't didn't get Zaha or you know or Lucas Moura that they've now got, I think he's the kind of guy that probably given another year could 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 definitely do a job. Um, I, I really rate him. He's very he's very quick, but he's also. I don't know. He's very agile and he's got very good shot. Um, yeah, and they've 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 kind of moved him a bit centrally this season, and he's done really well there. But yeah, in terms of left squad, I completely agree with Howard. I mean, Okazaki's a very solid player. They've, oh, yeah. they've obviously got him, they've yeah. got Kalechi now. Yeah. Chilwell, the left back, I think is a really really good player. Um, obviously, Maguire and Diddy 
has been amazing. I think he's like 21 and he's been starting in the Premier League since he's 19. I thought, I just kind of assumed he was about 25, but yeah, he's really young. So they've got, you know, they've got a really decent team and no doubt Kalecci's going to, you know, pop up on, on the end of on the end of a John Stones era or something tomorrow. So there's, there's that to That's consider. That's one of my concerns. Yeah, I am concerned about Kalecci. He, um, he had a horrendous start at Leicester. Uh, the fans... You know, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating to say that they hated him. Uh, they hated his attitude. He was seen laughing and joking um, when Leicester were losing games when he when he wasn't selected. Uh, his attitude stunk, quite frankly, and um, so did his work rate too. But he has turned it around recently. Uh, he's, he's got I think three goals or four goals, I think, in the FA Cup. Um, he hasn't um, scored yet in the league. And I think this weekend, well, you know, you know how football works, don't you? <laughs> Vardy too. Yeah, he's got four and six now, so Vardy's back on fire again. Um, and the biggest concern for me with Leicester is they won't do this, but if they did, it's how they set up uh, away at Southampton and Newcastle because in both of those games, they looked excellent. They looked so threatening. Mares, Vardy and Greg, they dovetailed into each other's positions. They were impossible to pick up when they broke. Um, they looked really, really good going forward. Uh, and, and they did so at the right times as well. So if they set themselves up in a similar fashion on Saturday, that is a very difficult game we've got. However, I think it's Howard, it might have been Lloyd who said earlier about them sitting deep. I think that's what they'll probably do, uh, which will be to our benefit, I think. Mm. So oh no, it's a counter attack that's the problem for me, not yeah. yeah. And set pieces as well, don't forget. Yeah. I mean, Hoof's back to fitness. I, he probably won't start, but he is available to them. Um, and you know, he always poses a threat from set pieces. So, look, how much pressure pressure is actually on this game then? Because you know, I, I don't want to say that we we are in the middle of a blip because that would be nonsense. But we certainly drew a game last weekend. Um, the the gap between City and the team in second is 13 points. Um, yeah, Lloyd, what, do, do you feel that we go into this with an, with with maybe a little bit more pressure than we've had for a while now? Yeah, probably. And I think it does just help just to win and just shut up those tiny little sounds about the title being back on and whatever. And I think as fans, we're in a weird place where we've got so used to winning that when we when we haven't won the game before, it's a bit like, oh, next game's a must win. When realistically, you know, it's it's not. We're still thirteen points clear. But no, I do I do think there is an element of pressure. Um thankfully though, we've we've generally responded well when we've um when we've not won the game before. I mean that Newcastle game, that was a good performance. Um but I think for me the biggest problem is scheduling. I mean Playing Leicester late on a Saturday night, I think from Pep's point of view, is a nightmare when we play, you know, in Basel on Tuesday because it means the players will have to have a recovery session on Sunday and then you're flying out on Monday. So your preparation time in terms of that and obviously being, you know, massive Champions League game is they I think that's the difficulty. They play Saturday night as well, bizarrely. So obviously, I don't know. yeah, they don't have to travel, obviously, but they they have got a six o'clock kickoff on the Saturday. Mm. Think, so. Just to which is strange that both teams are playing like that, but it may affect our, it may affect the team he picks, of course. So. Mm. J- Lloyd, just to, to go back to something that you that you said there, um, I appreciate that the Champions League game comes real quick, but uh, with the draw last weekend, is it not more important 
that we focus on Leicester and we win this game and then focus on the Champions League? Or do you think that there needs, do you think that the gap that's already there means that we can, that you can kind of keep an eye on both games and rotate in the Leicester game with the with the Basel game? Man, in fact, Steve, I'm going to throw this to you first. What would you do in this situation? Would you be looking at getting Leicester one or would you be looking at rotating to keep people fresh for, for Basel? Uh, the former, yeah, it's a tricky opposition. Leicester, very good, and a win, you know, a win is a must. Not in terms of, I appreciate what you guys are saying about kind of, you know, not wanting any title talk to come back into the equation. I don't think that it, realistically, I don't think that's a factor really, because you know, let's say we lose, United win, it's it's ten points still. You know, we'll, we'll then be kind of halfway through February with ten point gap. Um. So it's not so much that, it's just looking after ourselves. And I think a win is so important on Saturday just to get things, everything back on track. And of course, it's always better to go into a Champions League game after a win than a loss. So for me, I would play a strong team against Leicester, um, just look for the win, get the three points, and then move on to Basel. And we've hopefully, and this is all up in the air, I appreciate it, but hopefully we are getting our players back yeah. and we are getting our squad back. And if that's the case then the players who are putting two games in a week right now will be afforded a rest, you know, two weeks down the line. Mm. So um, that, that's, that'll be my thinking. Okay. Um, Howard, in terms, of, in terms of the team selection issues that, that Pep has got, I believe that uh, David Silva is still out. He hasn't trained this week. He's, got yeah. that, he's still got that um, stomach injury. Um, how do you the I guess the big one for me, weirdly enough, is the decision about whether Vinny plays uh against Leicester or whether Vinny plays against Ball. W- what's your vibe there? Oh, just toss a clean. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, well, I can only I no idea about Basel. I don't think he'll start against Leicester. Just think he'll go back to I think he was picked against Burnley with physicality. But I don't think he's first choice, so Stones is back in training, isn't he? Mm. So maybe he wouldn't start if he's only just back in training. It might be an automending the port again. Uh, but, you know, we have got choices there now. And I, I think he goes, I think company goes down the pecking order again. Okay. Just- uh, but, you know, he, for Basel, I, I don't know the style, but I don't, I just don't know if he'll, I don't, my, my hunch is he doesn't start any of the next two games. Okay, fair enough. Would be my guess, but you just never know, do you? No, I mean, I mean, we're we're you know we're we're, we're guessing when it comes to Pep's team mm. selections. We always are. Uh, Lloyd, what's what's your vibe on on Vinny versus Laporte on on Saturday and Tuesday? Who plays where? I think if for me, if Company plays, I'd play him against Basel because I think Laporte is better suited to probably playing a high line and being able to recover and bring us out, bring bring the ball out and basically counteract Leicester's threat. And you probably don't want to throw him into a Champions League game seeing as he's only played one game. Admittedly, he was incredibly, you know, incredibly composed, but you probably don't want to do that. So, yeah, if company, if company does have to play, I'd probably go against Thingy, but it, it is difficult with company. I mean, I looked this morning... Um, so we've actually played we've played 39 games this season company's only played 11 mm-hmm. so that kind of gives you an idea of you know in terms of the availability and 
he could go down. I don't know. I, I'd, I, I would probably go with company against Basel and I'd play Laporte tomorrow. Okay. Um, Steve, very quickly, mm. which one of those two plays when for you? Well, what do we know on John Stone's fitness? Well, I mean, the thing is that I, I always I always work on the basis that players that have been out with an injury who are back in training never get picked for the first game back mm. after they're mm. back in training. So I don't see Stones getting picked. Yeah, no. I agree with that. But yeah. Probably on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Could play on Tuesday. Possibly yeah. it comes back on Tuesday. Because my thinking was Laporte uh, against Leicester and Stones on Tuesday, but that obviously depends a lot on Stones' fitness. So um, if not, then it w- might well be where to come on Tuesday. But like I said at the start, it's a flip of a coin when, when it comes to Pep. And, and, and it's really good that we can flip that coin now because we can flip the coin in both centre-back positions. You know, we've got options there now, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Um, actually, what would you do, means- son? Sorry? What would you do? Well, uh, my my gut feeling is that I'd want to play Vinny against Leicester um, because I feel as though it'll be... I, I feel as though Baal will be more of a, of a proper game of football between two teams who will play football. Um, whereas I think Leicester... Claude Puel might try and turn the game into a war of attrition. Um, and I I mean, I know it sounds a bit daft to say, well, I'd pick Vinny almost solely for set pieces against Leicester, but I'd pick him almost solely for set pieces and for that sort of, you know, the I don't, the cliched kind of Premier League grit and uh, experience yeah. and all of those things. I just, I, I would want to take no chances um against Leicester and I'm not saying that Otamendi and Laporte is a chance but just because of just stylistically because of the way that 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 Leicester may may sit very deep they may make it a bit niggly a bit physical um yeah I'd 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 probably err on the side of Vinny against Leicester and then and then Laporte Stones or Laporte Otamendi um on on Tuesday um what about the in fact, no, before we go there, I want to talk about something that De Bruyne... I want to talk about De Bruyne and how Pep manages him uh, over the course of the rest of the season uh, based on the... He gave some quotes last after last weekend's game, I think, where he basically said, I feel like shit. Um, and then subsequently, I saw that, that Christoph um, tweeted this week that De Bruyne's been running, you know, 11 kilometres per game on average. He's doing three games a week, 33 kilometers a week. Plus he's doing 50 odd sprints per game. He's by some distance, our best and most influential player. How does Guardiola manage him to ensure that in this running, he's, he's fit and he's fresh and he's, he's firing. Um, how would I start with you? Well, firstly, this is the last league game of the month. So <laughs> that will help. Yes. Uh, and he's had obviously he's had the week off, so you hope he's back now. Well, they had four days off, didn't they? Everyone vacated the country, I think, within about ten minutes. Uh, so he should be fresher now. So he's back in contention, I think, for the two the next two games, or he plays the next two games. But then you've got the option: is it the uh, 
FA Cup after that. So then you you know you're thinking there's no league games. He could sit out a Monday night FA Cup match at Wigan. Yeah. Uh, so then you can again rest him until Cup final second leg of Basel. Mm. So that this week off's come quite quickly because when you overwork a player, any player, you're obviously increasing the chance of injury and you got the feeling that he was close to picking one up. Uh, kind of a miracle he hasn't had one already considering challenges, but just from the workload and playing, it would not surprise me if he'd picked up a muscle injury in the next couple of weeks if he'd had to play midweek yeah. or two games a week. So this break's come at a very good time. Mm, and I think yeah. if he's back to freshness, it should be okay for the next two games. But then probably another break again after that. Okay. Um, Lloyd, do you think that the... Do you think that the kind of in the medium to long term we need to look at maybe having another player? I don't think you're going to get another player at De Bruyne's level, but maybe having one more player to afford him more of a rest. Bearing in mind Silver's age, um, his personal issues this season obviously can't be helped. Um, but he has had, Silva has had injury issues and with his age, his time will have to be managed. Um, is this something that we should keep an eye on, the the, the minutes that De Bruyne is doing and, and how we use him? Yeah, it, definitely. I think I think we'd all agree that De Bruyne's played too much football this season. Um, it, it does worry me, but I think in a weird way, I actually don't think we need another player in that position. I think it's been a really unique set of circumstances that David Silva's had this issue so it's meant that De Bruyne's probably had to play three or four more games than we've probably liked I think the, the, the main problem has been that Bernardo hasn't been able to play there because we've because we're a forward light and he's been playing right wing instead of being able to play and cover for De Bruyne in certain games and then we've also had Phil Foden out for the last seven weeks who I appreciate you know isn't maybe a fully-fledged first-team option yet, but he definitely would have played a lot of these, some of these cup games over the last couple of weeks. So I actually think we're quite well-stocked in that area, but it's probably the it's probably the wing that needs strengthening. But yeah, in terms of De Bruyne's football, I think Howard's spot-on. And I actually, if you look at the fixtures, I actually think we're, we are quite lucky in this month that after Basel, we've got a six-day break. And then from Wigan to Arsenal, we've basically got a full-week break. And then we've, again, got about five days... Till we play Arsenal in the, in the league, so we, we've actually got, thankfully, a bit of time where we can allow him to rest. And I would not play him against Wigan and just basically wrap him in cotton wool. Mm. Steve, would you would you rest him um, at any point in these next two games? Would you? In fact, let me rephrase that. No. Would you <laughs> not use him in one of the next two games? Bearing in mind that both of them are so close together. No, I, I would I would play him in both. Okay. Um, I, I think that you know both are important, and we need our important players involved. And De Bruyne is obviously part of that. Um, I, I think what we're discussing here as well um, can equally be kind of uh, attributed to Fernandinho as well. Yeah. Um, and you know that's why this week's news about the confirmation of uh, your know, Fred's arrival is is so great, really, because. Um, next season, we can then start kind of rotation in that part of the field where, you know, Fernandinho, my God, is all the praise for De Bruyne has, of course, been deserved. But just by the nature of, of 
the type of footballer that he is. Fernandinho just gets so little credit. And um, he's just always there for us. He's just always there, put it in exactly like KDB. So those two players are so crucial to us and they have not let us down. And um, yeah, basically everything what Howard said was bang on. You know, we we have been lucky this month that it's fallen as it is for fixtures. uh, And that allows us to rest. Fernandinho, well, you know, because we're talking here about De Bruyne and okay, we could play Gundogan or whatever. We don't have anyone for him, you know. He is one of a kind. Yeah. So um, next season, Fred's arrival will be will be key. Okay. Um, I want to talk. I've, we've talked a lot about Gundogan, but I want to uh, actually, Lloyd. I want to start because I've not really heard your view on his season. Um, now, I, I hope that you heard the interview that we did with Marty Paranow while you were away, and Marty said that with Bernardo and with with Gundogan that they were twenty games short of being fit. And this was back in December. Um, How do you feel his season has gone? And when I talk about KDB, us needing another option other than KDB, actually he's gone doing that option. Yeah, I think he is. And I think I was about just about to reference what Marty said, because I think it's almost played out perfectly since he said that. I think basically, my only my criticism with Gundogan has been um, across the games he's kind of been playing since he's coming back, just to take more responsibility in games and basically take that mantle that De Bruyne and Silva do. That they basically it just basically realise that it's up to them and they've got it's up to them to basically take control and try and impose themselves on it. And I think gradually with each passing game, you've seen that there's that confidence is is coming up in terms of feeling like he is part of that team and he is, he is important and, you know, he can be one of the main men. And then from a fitness perspective, I think that 20 games thing is right. When you've had such a long injury, it's just going to take, again, that confidence in the body to come back. And, you know, people saying, oh, Mendy's going to be playing Champions League games for us. You've seen with, with Gundogan how long it takes to get properly back to that level. And I think the performance against Burnley was encouraging in that respect that for me, I kind of felt like he took on a lot more responsibility than he has in some of the other games. And, you know, as Sam said on a few occasions, generally when he has had to step in for silver in big games in against Spurs and away at Napoli, he has done the job, but he, for me, probably he's still that 10, 15% away, but I think we're just starting to creep towards that now. Okay. Um, I, I've, re- I've read on, I know social media can be uh, a little bit mental at times, but I read, a no. shout from somewhere this week that he should be uh, he, he should be sold uh, this summer if 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 he doesn't quote unquote improve. Um, anybody go along with the idea that that Gundogan's got between now and the end of the season to prove himself, or or we should move him on and and bring another player in? Howard, no, no. Lloyd, no chance. Okay, Steve. Next season is when we see the real Gundogan. So. No, Pascal. Okay, cool. Um, listen, I want to wrap up the uh, Leicester preview part of this podcast by getting you all to give me uh, a team prediction. Or the team, not so much a team prediction as the team that you would pick. Um, in fact, I'm going to, if you want to do it for Leicester and for Ball, you can do it for Leicester and for Ball, but certainly for Leicester, I'd like a team. I'm going to start with you, Lloyd. Um, difficult. I, I think if... Just before I give the team, I think if we'd have beaten uh, Burnley, there's a very good chance I think Brahim would have started in this game. 
with it being so close to Basel. But given that he came on against Burnley, struggled a bit with the physicality, I think, I imagine, I, I would probably go full strength um, and, yeah, toss up between the centre-backs, really. But, and yeah, play Gundogan instead of Silva. And then I would play the full-strength team again against Basel, but I'd bring Silva back in instead of Gundogan. And the only, I think the only thing is left-back. I would probably, I would probably play Danilo against Basel and Zinchenko tomorrow. That would be my vibe. Okay, fair enough. Um, Steve, what about you? <laughs> I'm in an awkward position here. Do I basically make up a team now from scratch or basically say that Lloyd just said exactly yeah. what I was going to say? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, so oh, is it's it? fine if you need one. Yeah, Man to man, exactly how how Lloyd described it there. That's that's what I would go for. Play, play a you know really strong team on Saturday. Um, Otamendi uh, and Laporte for me at the back. Uh, Zinchenko left back, but Danilo on Tuesday. Um, Gundogan with Silva if available on Tuesday. Um, and the rest pick themselves really. Just kind of you know the actual um, expected start in eleven. Um, so that's what I would go for. Okay, so nobody's yeah. resting any of the front three then for no, no, Basel. No, not, for, not for next two. I no. just think I, I've got a hunch Danilo starts, not Zinchenko, but otherwise, what the other two said. Okay, cool. Left, left, but left back's definitely the interesting one against Basel. Yeah. Who he plays? Yeah, I mean, whew, I got to be wary of their attacking uh, capabilities, and that's where Zinchenko worries because he's not. Natural defender. Yeah, I mean, t- my my gut tells me that Danilo will be the one that will play in in Baal and and Tinchenko will be the one who plays yeah. against Leicester. Um, but yeah, like I said, predicting predicting Pep can be very difficult. Okay, uh, are we going to win? Yes or no? In a word, Howard. <laughs> yes, Lloyd. Just yes, I think just. I think it could be like three two or something. Okay, Anstey. Yes, we will win. Excellent. Does anyone remember last season's end of season game? I've just been doing my season review books. Should we? Should I do one? Should we win the league? Uh, do you remember what interesting occurrence happened? In last in this, season's game against in last Leicester? season's home game, something quite rare happened, yeah. I can't remember. Um, hey, we're back to the quiz pod. Oh, we, are back. <laughs> we, we are back to the quiz pod. Collar off uh, sprint. No, they had a penalty and he double hit it into the net, didn't he? Or... Oh, oh yeah. Was that, was that Leicester? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It was Mahrez, wasn't it? Mahrez double. I think uh, he yeah. hit it onto his other foot. He slipped, hit it onto his other foot. That's it. That's it. And uh, Gary Lineker was upset because the, the match officials actually did the job. He <laughs> 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 actually complained on match of day. It's a bit unfair that he noticed it. It's like, well, yeah, that's his, that's what they're supposed to do, so... It's funny. Yeah, I remember. I remember Gary Neville well. being upset more than I remember what why he actually was. Yeah. Uh, okay. Excellent. Um, now look what what we're going to do. We're going to add something new to the Friday shows from here on out. I thought it'd be interesting every Friday to look at w- whatever the big game is in the rest of the Premier League and and have a little chat about that as well. And this weekend's big game is the North London derby. Um, I'm going to use this as an excuse to start by talking uh, about something that Arsene Wenger said in his press conference a couple of days ago, where he basically talked about how um, 
there was always a big thing about foreigners coming to the Premier League and diving. And Wenger basically said the English players uh, are now the 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 expert side. They're better than the foreigners at diving. Um, Steve, I've not had a chance to have a chat with you about this. Is is diving a blight on the game, or is it a distraction from the things that really matter? Yes, it's a blight on the game, but that doesn't mean that everybody has to get so worked up about it. I personally don't. I I, I perfectly accept it. Others do. Um, it doesn't. If it happens against my club, I'm furious. If I see my own club's players do it. I kind of chuckle a little bit inside. And it goes on everywhere. It goes on in Britain. It goes on in Afghanistan. It goes on in New Zealand. It's a worldwide epidemic. It's never going to stop. We can limit it. We will never be able to get rid of it. There are some people out there who believe that harsh punishment will be enough. In fact, I think I've seen on, uh, it might be Match of Day 2 last week, uh, it might be Mark Lawrence saying, you know, right, let's sort this out. Let, let's... Uh, impose these harsh punishments and it'll be gone within a day within a week it'll be gone what nonsense that is if harsh punishments got rid of stuff there'd be no murder no burglary (laughs) people get sent to prison so it it will it'll continue and we can limit it and we can suppress it as much as we can and we should of course but it's just not something that floats my boat i don't really get worked up about it unless it happens against man city in which case i think it's the biggest travesty since I don't know I'm trying to think of an awful film that was released let's <laughs> <laughs> um, um, choose from epic movie yeah, yeah. listen so, um, yeah that's how I feel about it Arsene Wenger I feel like every weekend in his press conference he's 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 having a little catty bitch about somebody yeah. he was obviously having a dig at, at Kane and at, at Deli Alley with his diving comments this weekend um Lloyd, what's going on with Wenger? Is this his last season? Has he lost his mind? Is he, you know, I, I, he, he seems like a, a a parody of the the manager that he was uh, fifteen years ago, and he seems to be exhibiting behaviours that that really bothered him fifteen years ago. Yeah, I mean, he, he's just slowly crumbling, isn't he? But. I, we just so owe Wenger a slap. I mean, I just can't wait until we play them in the cup final because he's he's been shit-chatting Pep a bit as well in, in some of his press conferences and he just needs to give it a rest. I, I'm i really looking forward to beating them at Wembley, actually. I'm, I'm going to say that. But in terms of Wenger, yeah, I think I, I think there's a very good chance he goes this summer. I think it's, it's clear that Arsenal are kind of taken steps to basically... Not have a not try and have a Alex Ferguson situation at United. I mean, they've brought in the new chief scout. Name eludes me from Dortmund. I think it's no obviously no coincidence they've brought Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang. They've also got a director of football that started work on on the first of February. So I think there's a very good chance that they've given him. I think I think it was Gary Neville that said this. Can't remember, but they've given him that two two year contract to basically mean that there's no kind of talk throughout this season and through the summer. And I think there's a good chance he goes in the summer and they get a new, new guy in. Okay. Um, when you look at this game, who do you think, do you think that there's more pressure on, on Arsenal than there is on, but it's a really obvious thing to say in a way because, because of how Leaked far team. behind they, well, yeah. how far behind they are. Um, Howard, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, we'll just, I mean, if you look at the league table, the four, you know, Arsenal is sixth. And the four points off Spurs in fifth, 
and Spurs are within touching distance of the two teams above them. Mm. If Arsenal lose, that's it. I mean, you just can't see any way back, really. Well, they'd have to be one hell of a run. You just don't think they're capable of that. So, yeah, Tottenham could take a, a bad result and call the way back, but they will be well adrift, well adrift, especially if Chelsea, Liverpool, United get results. Arsenal will be, yeah, you know, they can pretty much forget top four aspirations. Uh, so it's slightly more important to them. But again, Arsenal, uh, Spurs themselves lose, and they're, and they're losing. You know, they're out of the top four and. I've got catching up to do. So, yeah, it's quite quite an important game, really. I know it's got 12 games to go. It's not like an end-of-season winner-takes-all for that Champions League. But there is quite a lot of stake there because they are, you know, these are the two that at the moment are missing out on that top four. And we all know how important that is. Hmm. Um, Lloyd, just, just to play devil's advocate for a second, don't you think that there is an equal amount of pressure upon Pochettino to get a result because they're also sitting outside of the top four um or do you think that there's somehow less pressure on on the potch to finish inside the top four no i think there is and i think i think there'll be pressure from spurs fans because if you think back to earlier in the season the the previous north london derby spurs were terrible Mm. um and Obviously, they're at home. If I was a Spurs fan, I it's absolute must win for them. I think, um, and like Howard said, you know, if they if they do lose, well, if they lose at home to Arsenal, you know, that's that's a problem in itself. But if they do lose, then they are it is twelve games, but they are just going to be slightly adrift. And I think all of the other teams are probably capable of of you know probably keeping them at bay. So yeah, I think there's, there's definitely pressure on Pochettino. Which Who's the better team, in your opinion? Spurs, Spurs. or Arsenal presently? Spurs. Okay, Steve? Mm-hmm. Spurs, oh, uh, Spurs or Arsenal, Spurs who's the, the better team? team? Spurs are the better team. Uh, but just going back to what the guys were talking about there, uh, I think this is huge for Arsenal, far more yeah. so than for Spurs. Yeah. Because if Arsenal lose, as Howard said, they're out, they can forget the top four with... 11, 12 games to go, you know how that festers in the media then because if 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 they've got a chance of top four, they just get a bit of flack, you know? But really, that's what they're still yeah. going for. If we can forget about a top four, it just becomes a singular narrative of everyone will just look at Wenger and it's just going to be like the last two seasons all over again. I have got a really good stat about the North London derby, by the way, for any uh, any gamblers out there. Since the Premier League began, I'm in now. <laughs> Since the Premier League began, forty-one percent of North London derbies have ended in draws, yeah. whereas for the Manchester derby, only seventeen percent. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I also early Saturday games. Just I get the feeling it could be dour. So. Now I've said that, but <laughs> put your money on over seven, over well, was, seven it's goals. It's funny because yeah. I was going to say the exact opposite. I was about to say that I feel like North London derbies are always really high scoring affairs. It always feels like it's 2-2 or 3-3 with, you know, loads of yeah. classic goals and terrible defending. Um, but for me, so, the half five games are always better than the half 12 games. So. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why. Uh, hey, listen, I, I want to ask you the three of you something. I, I asked you a loaded question when I asked you, it, who was the better team, Spurs Spurs or Arsenal? Because I'm a little bit... Something that Arsene Wenger referenced recently, which I actually thought 
Well, all right, you might have a point there. Spurs and Liverpool have won nothing for years and years and years. Um, and, and Arsenal kind of live in the same, for me, they, they live in the same world, they operate in the same world as as, as Spurs and Liverpool a little bit. Um, and Arsenal have at least won some domestic trophies in the last three or four years. Um, Wenger was basically saying, I get a rougher ride than Pochettino or Klopp when I've won trophies and, and neither of those guys has won anything. Is that a fair thing for him to say? Steve, I'm going to start with you. Well, firstly, I like that as a ringtone. I want to go back to that. You saying Spurs and Liverpool have not won anything for years and years and years. <laughs> I, I, I would like it as a ringtone. Uh, yeah, I think he's got a very valid point. He doesn't make it easier for himself, though, does he, Wenger? No. Uh, he only makes it harder for himself. It's not. It doesn't just come down to team performances and results. It comes down to who the managers are and what they say to the press. And he is his own worst enemy. You look at Pochettino and how he is with the press. You look at Klopp. I mean, it annoys the hell out of me why Klopp gets such an easy ride. But you can also see why it happens in comparison to Wenger. So it's not just, you know, you look at it as a whole. If you step back and look at it, of course he has a point. But then when you look at kind of the comments he makes and how he is, and yeah, it, it's, it's always going to be the case. Okay. Um, I mean, Wenger has that. Amazing knack just to do enough to keep his job. Uh, though, though you could argue he's unsackable, that just the board would never sack him anyway. Mm. But I, I thought it was totally, absolutely guaranteed he'd have, he'd have to leave last summer. You know, he just burnt his bridges. The fans had just lost lost all faith in him. You know, some did years ago, but it seemed to be the majority now. And yet then he goes and puts in, yeah. <laughs> Goes and wins a cup, uh, but we've already said before, haven't we? Pochettino has a disregard for cups, uh, and he's he should get criticism for that. Yeah, you know, winning stuff it should be relevant, but yeah, but yeah. that's a different thing to it. It doesn't directly correlate to how good the teams are. That Spurs team should have won. That Spurs team can win cups. Yeah. You know, if they well, if they I, want I, to also, take it seriously, that Spurs teams could do very well in cups. Uh, yeah, and, and also about Howard as well. I think clubs far too much are defined by silverware. And you look yeah. at Spurs in their two seasons where they were runners-up, that is an outstanding achievement on both seasons. And, and and so everyone's kind of makes makes fun of him about being, you know, kind of, um, you know, the, the bottlers or the kind of, uh, oh, they did really well or they pushed, you know, Leicester all away or whatever. Um, no, it, they were two outstanding seasons what deserved a great deal of acclaim, I thought. I entirely disagree with that. I, I think that they've... <laughs> I, I, just think they, I think you can't... I think a lot of people want it both ways when it comes to Spurs and Poch. They they want to lord the quality of the squad. They want to talk about how, you know, they've got the best 11 in the league and they bought really well and they've got all these top players. And then also they want to applaud them for finishing second. It's a bit like, nah, like, you know, if they... Second's good, man. Second... Who, no one else finished second that year. Every, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. They're the teams who kind of failed. Second's good. Oh, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I don't <laughs> think that you can be, I think, I think Spurs and Pochettino and that squad have to win something before they get real credit. Oh, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is it was, they were, they were damned for finishing second and I didn't think that was right. 
Maybe, but I, I think from the position that they were in, certainly in the in the season that that it was them and Leicester, I think from the position that they were in, they definitely threw it away. They were the last team to throw it away, if that makes sense. So, you yeah. know, City threw it away, Chelsea threw it away, United threw it away, Arsenal threw it away, Spurs were the last team to throw it away and they threw it away from a position where you sort of felt like if any of the other sides that I've just mentioned had actually got themselves into that position, I'm not sure that they uh, that they actually well, throw it away. I mean, yeah, I half agree with that. I, I think Leicester's results, it doesn't matter that they're Leicester. It, it doesn't matter if it's Real Madrid, Leicester or Burton Albion. They won and they won and they won and they won and they accumulated three points each and every week. So, you know, a team has got to come up against that. Spurs have got to try and you know trump that. So uh, I think it was because it was against Leicester that they lost it too, that they got so much flack. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, okay, predictions for the North London derby. Um, Howard, I'm going to start with you. Oh, one all. One all, okay. Lloyd? I think Spurs will win. Steve? 2-2. Two, two. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go for a, a, a high-scoring draw as well. Um, yeah, I don't see I don't see anybody winning it outright. So you said two two. I'm going to go with three three. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay, no wonderful. Um, hey, gentlemen, that was the Friday show. I uh, I really enjoyed that, Lloyd. Thank you very much. Welcome back. Pleasure. Good to be back, Steve. Thank you very much. Welcome back. Yeah, pleasure. Good to be back, Howard. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome to everybody who listened. Thank you for listening. This was the uh, Friday show on the 9320 podcast. We also have the 9320 player. Costs £4 a month. We do reviews. We do interviews. We do history pods. We do quizzes. Do loads of stuff. Go to 9320.com and check out all the details and sign up if you're interested. And for those of you who have signed up, there will be a review of the Leicester match coming Monday. In the meantime, be safe. Have a lovely weekend. Up the blues.